Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 244 tonight. Uh, it's going to be an excellent one. Um, we're going to do Mysteries and Metaphysics 6.3, The Philosophy of UFOs and Aliens. Um, I actually did a Twitter space earlier today, and we had a bunch of people in there, and it was an awesome conversation. Uh, lots of interesting takes and, you know, couple people actually really made me uh, think which I, I that's why I do those I, I want to think I want to have dialogue I want to um, share ideas and uh, yeah get inspiration from that so that was awesome so thank you for everybody that participated in uh, our Twitter spaces and uh, I've been joining uh, Tupacabra's Twitter spaces too and he's awesome he does uh, great spaces as well so if you're on Twitter and you like uh, participating in spaces check out uh, our stuff and also check out tupacabras uh, i'll actually try and add his uh, twitter handle to the links down below after the video uh but so before we get started uh, again i'm not going to go through the whole spiel anymore if you want to support the show which we would really appreciate uh, there is a link tree link down below it has all the links to all of our stuff our website our patreon um, you name it, it's on there. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, uh, but you don't have, you know, a lot of money or anything like that, the best way I'd actually appreciate more is if you left us a nice review, you know, on Spotify or Apple iTunes or something like that. We really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, uh, congratulations again to Ty, who was the winner of our Mind Escape t-shirt giveaway. Uh, he sent me a nice email today, so congratulations, and Maurice will get that out to you uh, sometime in the uh, next week here. So look for that. Congratulations. And is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, what's going on, Maurice? How are you? Yo, yo, yo. What's the good word? Nothing. Um, like I said, oh, you're you're getting a little crisply crackly over there. Well, Maurice is uh, 
internet's just not as crisp as it normally is. Maybe it's just coming through on my end like that. I don't know. But um, anyways, leave a comment below, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, um, so, but yeah, this is something I wanted to talk about. Something we talk about a lot. Um, I don't see enough people using these foundational thinking tools, you know, like philosophical thinking tools when they discuss this topic. Um, it usually comes uh, in the uh, the normal range of I heard this or I heard that or I saw a YouTube video or I did this or I did that. Um, and I don't see enough people um, when they speculate coming from a place of actual um, interesting or unique thought. It's usually just repeated talking points. So, uh, and not that I'm some, you know, amazing thinker on the topic or anything like that, but I do think that it's important to know where these ideas come from, uh, what got us to this point and how can we think about it in unique ways so we can further these topics and, um, you know, take the stigma away, but also, uh, again, just take fresh eyes and, and fresh minds to it and, and try and figure out what's going on. Um, so I think the last episode we did was the entities in altered states where I did discuss um, the nuts and bolts people versus the consciousness people, which again, nuts and bolts people are usually people that are materialists or believe more in the materialism side of the, the phenomenon as well as other things. But um they believe the idea that these things are physical objects, and if we didn't exist, these physical objects would still be there, and they've always been there. Um, from the consciousness standpoint, or the people that are idealistic or come from a place of idealism, uh, this is the idea that m objects or matter or material comes from mind. So experience and mind create, or consciousness create, um, these objects. So that would be the main difference between that. Uh, when I look at this topic, um, f the first thing I do is check my cognitive biases. Is this pareidolia? Is this me connecting dots that aren't there? Or um, looking for patterns that maybe I'm trying too hard to put them together? Um, what's the, uh, you know, is there any cognitive bias? Is there, in terms of like confirmation bias, is there any... Um, you know, again, the logical fallacies, any, you know, when I'm debating people, I, I think about those things. Uh, and then when you get to the different parts of philosophy, you have epistemology, which is the theory of knowledge. How do we know what we know on this topic? So let's start there. How do we know what we know? Um, well, I mean, some people would point to the fact that currently there's um, the U.S. government studying this thing pretty closely. They have a bunch of hearings in Congress. Uh, there's a lot going on with that. But what we do know is there are videos uh, as well as eyewitness accounts, radar data, and all sorts of things that uh, corroborate um, or corroborate um, these accounts. So some people would point to that um, and say, this is how we know that something weird is going on, which I agree. that That is one element of it. Another element um, would be the fact that when you look at um, the phenomenon as a whole, okay, you have um, some people that just go purely on word of mouth or, um, you know, speculation or, or something along those lines. But I will say this, um, 
from a theory of knowledge or knowing what we know, another thing we know is that people have been seeing weird stuff in the sky forever, right? I think we can all agree on that. Um, uh-huh. I don't think it's any... I don't think it's anything new in terms of like, I don't think all of a sudden the military seeing these weird things that were never there before. We might just have better technology and our consciousness might be evolving to the point where we can now perceive these things. And maybe that's the point. I don't know. Uh, but again, one thing we know is there is data, whether it's eyewitness accounts or radar data, or there is, um, you know, um, you name it, uh, in terms of, um, observational stuff. And then you have like the Galileo project, which is Avi Loeb's project, which he assembled a team of scientists, which are trying to look at it from a more scientific standpoint using the scientific method. And, uh, they're trying to collect data with different, uh, cameras and things like that. So you have that. So we, look, we know something's going on. That's, that's, a, that's a good place to start, is we know there's weird stuff in the sky that we cannot explain, whether it be, um, you know, it could be something, some sort of physical phenomena, too. Like, I don't think enough people give that option enough credit, which is something that we just can't explain that's either been here forever or we're just picking it up, uh, you know, via our perceptions now. So, um you know, I would point to this to the idea of the Greek gods, you know, and the Greeks, the Greeks used to believe the Greek gods were real. Zeus controlled, you know, thunder and lightning. Poseidon controlled the sea. If a ship went down, oh, Poseidon got us, you know, or whatever. Um, they really believed those entities or those beings existed. Um, and then Thales came along and said, whoa, 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 there's a natural explanation for a lot of this stuff, and here's what I think is happening, and here's what I can do to prove it. Um, So you have that, um, but when you look, again, um, at the connection between these things, we know now that lightning, obviously, is a physical phenomena, uh, you know, whether it be... uh, a tsunami or a giant wave or a rogue wave or something like that, you know, that takes out a ship or a boat that again is a physical phenomena. So it's not that it's not interesting, but I'm just saying that we should keep that in, in, in mind when we think about this, it could be something completely unique that we can't even, um, it doesn't even register on our, our, our radar of thought or our mind, um, database like that that something like this would even be possible so i i just want to point that out before we go forward so epistemology what how do we know what we know well we know people have seen stuff in the sky i've seen weird stuff in the sky i don't know if you have maurice um i think i've asked you a few times is there anything other than you making that one comment neil wise uh Mm. video not particularly um so a lot of people have though and there's depictions and things there's archaeological records in terms of like people seeing weird stuff in the sky some of it could be comets some of it could be meteorites um i know the aboriginal mythology you know you you saw that uh, documentary that warner herzog documentary fireball we did that review on yeah. it um and there's a whole part in there where he's talking to these aboriginal artists and they're depicting from the Aboriginal mythology of the the cosmic serpent or the rainbow serpent, which would be 
um, what looks or is an asteroid. Um, so I find that that's a very fascinating aspect to it as well. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so that would be the epistemology of it, I would say. I mean, if we know something more, so some people would say, oh, I know this because somebody told me, or I have a source in here and they say this, or whatever. For me personally, that's not good enough. I need to know who that person is, what they know about these topics, how they know, and then what kind of thinker is this person? Is this somebody that just believes stuff or, again, has a lot of cognitive biases built in? Um, so that's when I, when somebody says, I know this or I know that because this person told me, well, that's for me, that's not good enough. So for some people, that's good enough for them. That's not good enough for me. But, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I, yeah, I would like a little credibility behind the statement. Well, even if it's, I'm, let's just say a top scientist said, I think that, you know, um, this is happening because of this, but they just say it. They don't have any physical proof or whatever. Like in terms of like, okay, so we know what we know, which is out there, which is these, you know, the three videos from the FLIR radars and... Um, all that kind of stuff. So we know that. But then like beyond that, when people say, I know this crazy thing because somebody told me or whatever, that word of mouth doesn't work for me. So, I mean, again, I don't know how um, you feel about it, but that's just my... So you don't believe anybody's story about their encounters? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Experiencers is completely different. This is almost like, uh, you know, I know Bob Lazar's cousin, and he told me that he worked on, for sure, worked on this or worked on that, you know, or something like, do you get what I'm saying? It's like the secrecy aspect of it, not somebody having a personal experience. Personal experience is top, top dog in my book. Um, yeah, no I think sis. there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying, but at the same time, um, I'm not going to poo poo somebody for having some kind of idea because obviously their idea is, formulated from some kind of knowledge whether it be scientific proof or not they've came up with this thesis based on something did they not hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline So, um, when you look at what you're saying, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like somebody took the time to develop this hypothesis and they're saying that they believe this based on their knowledge and everything. So I get what you're saying. But again, for me, maybe I'm just a little bit more skeptical, but what does that person know? How do they know? What's their background? So like, for instance, we talked about this, um, one of the logical fallacies is arguing from a position of authority. So if I said I'm a neuro, if you know, or somebody said they were a neuroscientist, but that they're also um, a researcher on how life evolves on extraterrestrial planets. Well, I don't know. That's, that's a different field, right? Like you can't say, you know, cause we don't, first of all, we don't know exactly what life looks like elsewhere. Currently. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It probably exists, but to say that you know how that works. It could be a completely different system. Consciousness could work completely different there. Uh, it could be a whole different ballgame, right? So that person mm-hmm. couldn't be an expert on that because we don't even know for sure that exists and how it exists currently. 
Do you get right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I yeah, guess that's I that's what I'm saying is like a lot of this work. There's a few people out there that are currently doing some of the more, um, not fringe science, but like they're on the edge of um, the known and the unknown. And I would say some of those people are credible, definitely. And I, I, I think we need more people like that. But what I'm saying is, is that some people will just say, oh, this person said this, so it's, it must be true, I guess is what I'm saying. So that is a logical fallacy if that's not their expertise is all I'm saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I, I mean, you and, could be a polymath too. I mean, some people know a lot about different disciplines. You know, you could have multiple degrees or no, you know, that that's definitely a thing. But um, I, I, you're I more know. rooted in this as well, because I don't I, I'm not talking to a lot of people that are saying, oh, this is true or this is not true. I when when we talk to talk about topics like this how could you say this is true regardless unless you're pretty ignorant well i mean again some people have different qualifications for knowledge and data I, again i think personal experience and knowledge from personal experience or gnosis is is the best you can have because at least you know it's being filtered through your own consciousness and you can at least then assess what the cognitive bias is and go from there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. That's just where I'm at right now. I'm not again, I believe that there's something to all this. I just don't know what it is and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have all the answers. So, some people will and that's fine. I don't have, you know, do your thing. Uh, but that's just not my thing. That's all. Um, yeah, I, I guess that doesn't upset me very much because I'm from even if you're telling me something that I don't I totally don't believe in I might be able to pull out some kind of knowledge True. or yeah. fact or something that will propel me in the direction I want to go so I don't know I I, I kind of live in that camp where it comes from anything I think we we learn this kind of from from the music background it's like we could play with guitar players that are 10 times better than us and learn something we could play with guitar players that are worse than us technically and learn something they might be how they pick something. It might be how they do something wrong that will show us how to do something right. No, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying, and that's actually a great point. With um, When somebody says something that maybe you don't believe, like somebody says, I have this knowledge that this person said this or this or that, or they believe this, there might be some nugget of truth in there that correlates to something I'm interested in, right? So you're right. I, yeah. I do look at things like that sometimes. So it's not all bad. I'm just again, giving, putting the tools out there so people can think about this. And, and, um, I think, I think what it is too, is because we have so many distractions in our modern era with cell phones and, mm -hmm. um, you know, media, social media, TV, all we're always occupying our mind, uh, 24 hours or not 24 hours, but however long you're up, usually most people sleep with their phone next to them. Uh, wake up and it's still it's right there and they're ready to go yep. this phone all day long so we're basically back on it yeah basically cyborgs as is um yeah i'm trying to really break <laughs> that man i i don't i don't like sleeping next to the phone i don't know what the wi-fi is gonna do to you in the long run who knows but anyways <laughs> so beyond that when you look at um when you look at the way technology is and the way we interact with technology um we're occupying our minds all day long and that being the case, I don't think we are, we're missing part of that, the picture based on that. We're just, our, our tension and focus is, is taken um, from where it should be, which is more rooted in 
this realm or this reality. Maybe this maybe this is part of evolution. Maybe we're going towards more of a technological, obviously. I mean, that's to state the obvious, but maybe we're headed towards some sort of weird um, evolution that we just don't know about. So um, my point is, is that when you look at some of the ancient thinkers from ancient Greece and ancient Rome and um, ancient Hindu and Buddhist texts and the Vedas and all that kind of stuff, a lot of those thinkers were very disciplined in thought and mind. Uh, they were very disciplined. Like, they had a good basis to work off of. And so when people read these ancient texts or Plato's dialogues, or what, they're still relevant because these were some of the most disciplined thinkers for their time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But uh, I think that we lack that discipline of mind currently. Uh, I think some people have it. You see people that are into like martial arts or things that take a lot of patience and dedication and focus. I think the focus is what we miss, you know, most of the time. So, um, again, if you can get these pillars of philosophy and know the logical fallacies and know the cognitive biases, I think that you can actually start to dial in um, a somewhat accurate version of at least what other people are experiencing uh, and you can relate to them even more because you're not coming from a place of pure speculation. So, mm, good point. Um, so another, so that was epistemology. Let's let's jump to ontology really quick. So ontology um, is the study or theory of being. You know, what does it mean to be? Um, and that can that one you can go down a whole rabbit hole. But I think that when you look at this topic, like what does it mean to be a living thing? Um, and we know we're a combination of um, cells and molecules and things that come together in a certain way. And, uh, you know, our, we don't know exactly know what consciousness is yet, but we know that um, the way that we perceive things definitely um, affects things like in the quantum realm, the way when we observe things and things like that, superposition and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, again, uh ontology you know you can look at how this relates to what it means to be a, a living thing or a being um so i don't know i'm, I'm not going to go into a long one on that i think that one's pretty self uh self-describing um teleology so this one's interesting so teleology is the study of purpose or the you know the looking into what purpose is. Um, what's the purpose of these beings or, you know, do they have a purpose in terms of like the way that they interact with us? Is this, um, are they interacting with us? Is this all in our mind? If it's, I would say this, if it's all in our mind, let's just say all these beings and experiences, these are all artifacts of the mind or epigenetic or something weird. Um, when you look at the purpose of that, it's bizarre. It would have to become some sort of evolutionary mechanism. And again, I've mentioned this many times. Are we dangling the carrot in front of ourselves? Is this is this how we move on to the next phase? Is this how we get off, um, you know, the the um, is this how we get off this planet? Is this how we go to the next level? Kind of a thing. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. That's just a speculation, but I'm saying if that were to be the case, if this was the case that, you know, we're dangling the carrot and then 
what is what does that even mean so that's a whole different topic you know in its entirety but i would say that um i think that the whole for sure they're aliens or for sure they're extraterrestrial or for sure they're that i have a problem saying for sure anything so i like the idea of putting all options on the table and then um, playing them off of each other. Like, could this just be our mind? Could they be extraterrestrial? Could they be interdimensional? What, you know, what's going on here? Um, so I think that I, I like to have all the options out there and think about them all when I'm trying to arrive at some sort of truth or build my own hypothesis or whatever. So, but yeah, so again, teleology. So telos or purpose, um, what would... I guess the thing that I find interesting about this is like science is really good at describing um, how things work, but it's not good and doesn't really describe why things work or what's the function, like what's the purpose of this thing or what's the purpose of this mechanism or whatever. So I think that that's why teleology is important because I think that purpose is important when you're talking about like idealistic things or metaphysical things because Again, observation is good at describing things or telling you how things work, but it's not great at telling you why things work. So, well, yeah, scientist science has uh, let let us down in the sense that it really hasn't described or ex- explained how the brain really but does work. And so these are the my two, the how the brain works and what are dreams. They're both pretty connected, but how can we see so vividly in our minds? If we need eyes to see, noses to smell, and yada yada yada. So yeah, those uh, you're you're right right there on the point because they do have a trouble explaining these things now down the road. Are they going to be able to explain them? I don't know. Is it going to always be a mystery? That will that will that's something we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. Interesting. Um. So yeah. So you have epistemology, ontology, and teleology. Those are the ones that I kind of throw around a lot when I talk about this and I use those as the main tools in which I think about these things. So, you know, this whole series is called Mysteries of Metaphysics. So if people don't know what metaphysics is, it's things that are, so it's, it's things that are beyond observation. So when we talk about like aliens or UFOs, well, yeah, we can kind of observe them or we have some data, but it's not like having you know, a frog right there. Let's, let's figure out what's going on with this frog. What's this mechanism? How does it jump? What is it? You know, you you can study a frog. You can't really, right now we don't have the ability to really study a UFO because it's not something that's always there. Right. So metaphysics is, entails a lot of things. It's, you have metaphysics of the mind, which would be like, uh, how things pertain to the nature of reality. You know, that's what a lot of like philosophy of the mind is, is, how does consciousness work? What is consciousness? How does it relate to the universe? Um, so metaphysics entails all of that. Like what's our relationship to the universe? What's the nature of reality? Um, what's beyond the scope of perception and observation? And like, I think, um, it gets a bad rap sometimes because a lot of empirical scientists or people that are materialists, um, always just fall back on things that are right there in front of us that we can study or whatever. So I think that that's where um, those points diverge and why scientists um, are kind of not 
really philosophers anymore. There's some, and some of the better ones are, but uh, I've noticed there's a lot of scientists out there that just um, very dogmatic materialists. And I think that having that philosophical background and at least understanding where some people are coming from would be super helpful. So, um, so yeah, so that's metaphysics. Um, and then you get to like what we're talking about now, like some sort of paradigm shift within um, the timeline or a paradigm shift within um, our universe or our understanding of reality. So, I mean, I mentioned this, uh, I was reading that book um, called American Prometheus about Robert Oppenheimer, uh, who was the uh, head of the, the atomic bomb project um, at Los Alamos. And um, <clears throat> I think that was definitely a paradigm shifting moment. It, it shifted the way people went about war. It shifted the way people perceived science. Uh, in that book, you see a dramatic shift from like um, different types of warfare and strategy to let's get all the scientists, let's get all the best scientists because science is where it's going and that's kind of where we've gone since, right? So um, it was it was paradigm shifting in that sense. And throughout time, there's been, you know, big paradigm shifts. One of them I mentioned earlier was Thales coming along and saying, no, 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 Zeus isn't doing this. Uh, Poseidon's not doing that. This is just this, or this is this natural phenomena. And there's an old, I mean, there's a... Um, a story that he knew it was going to be, or it was a rainy season. He knew there's going to be more olives. So he bought up all the olive presses, uh, knowing that it being of course he observant. Did. And then he made a ton of money. And then people thought he was like some sort of genius, but in he was, but it came down to just observing nature and understanding things. Um, so he actually, yeah. I think he predicted a, uh, um, an eclipse too, if I recall right. Um, so there's that, but yeah, so, uh, so let's get into like the origins, like where did the ideas of aliens and UFOs, like where did this originate? Obviously some people will go back all the way back to like super ancient times. They'll say, go back to Tepe or they'll say Egypt or they'll say whatever. And, and there was obviously those elements to some of those things, but they were talking about gods and goddesses and pantheons of gods. So, I mean, we don't really know for sure. Did they view those gods as we would call, you know, whatever an extraterrestrial? I don't think so. I don't know for a fact, but I just think that where they were um, in their evolution of consciousness, they obviously didn't have the ability to go to space. They didn't have the telescopes. They didn't have the stuff, you know. They knew things were important. Like, they knew meteorites were important, you know, in terms of, like, King Tut's daggers made out of uh, iron from a meteorite. Um, so things like that. Like, they knew certain things. Um, but uh, if, you, if you've if you never been to space and you don't have all the telescopes and satellites out there and stuff like that, it would be very hard to evolve the idea of these gods and goddesses. So, um, you, know, my, you know, my hypothesis, which is that they come from altered states of consciousness, too. So... Could that be the case? I think that that's a good, a good bet in some cases, but who knows? But I'm just saying, like the the record of these um, these ideas in terms of extraterrestrial life, life on other planets, life elsewhere in the universe, that all kind of started around um, in in ancient Greece. So, and you would think Plato and 
um, Socrates and some of these people, but it actually wasn't. Uh, so the philosopher Anax, uh, Anaxagoras, um, who was looking for scientific explanations for natural phenomena, like I mentioned before, you know, uh, different things, but I think he was looking at like eclipses and rainbows, but he suggested that the moon, um, which some people did think the moon was a God, but the moon's not a God, but it's a great rock. And then the sun is a hot rock. So that's actually a pretty good um, guess, considering that they weren't able to get out there in space and understand how hot the the sun was. I mean, you obviously living on the earth, you know that the sun's hot. And when it's in full force, it's, it's pretty brutal sometimes. But, yeah. um, I, you know, people weren't really talking about that that back then. So... Uh, he was actually arrested based on these um, uh, statements, and he was sentenced to death. But uh, luckily for him, Pericles, who is a great Athenian, um, came to his rescue, um, or he would have had pretty much the same fate as Socrates, which we've mentioned Socrates and corrupting, or not really corrupting the youth of Athens, but being accused of that, and then going along with his execution instead of he could have escaped, but that's a whole different, again, different story. But, um, so instead Anaxagoras was actually banished. Um, so, but he actually also said that the moon might inhabit, be inhabited or the moon might have life on it. So that, that's an interesting, uh, take back then. Obviously we've been to the moon. There's some people that do think that there's stuff going on there. Um, we did an episode a really long time ago where we talked about that. Um, I don't know. I don't think that th- there's anything going on there, but the fact that we're doing stuff like mining, um, <laughs> mining on the moon and stuff like that now, it's crazy. I mean, who knows what could happen? Um, so another thing would be like, so it's interesting. Like I mentioned Plato and Aristotle, uh, and Socrates, they had a different idea of these concepts, the, the metaphysical concepts, which would be that, again, Plato's theory of forms that were some sort of copy or flawed version of some real um, version or some better version. Um, and he, you know, in terms of like when you look at their theories, they didn't really entertain this stuff as much. However, Plato did give us the allegory of the cave, which could be, is used in a lot of these topics. Uh, specifically, oh yeah, that's your favorite, baby. Well, specifically like metaphysical topics, because it's it's a paradigm. It's basically describing a paradigm shift. Um, so when you're talking about anything metaphysical or uh, metaphysics, that's a, it's always a, something that's brought up. So. Uh, while they didn't specifically discuss aliens, you could always go to some of their other works to back up or use as some sort of precedent for that. Um, one of the other ones, important thinkers, was Anaximander, who was the first Greek thinker to think of the universe as an endless void. Um, I think he got it wrong because he thought that um, the Earth was a cylinder, so he got that wrong, but in terms of like thinking that we're this floating thing in space and that space is this big void, he got that right. So that's actually one of the big paradigm shifts or breakthroughs. And you could actually look to that as um, kind of like one of these moments that I was talking about earlier that like projected us in a certain way of thinking that led to more discovery. So 
Um, another one of those, and you had a lot of them in ancient Greece, but another one would be when Democritus um, theorized that there's an infinite number of atoms um, and that also that there must be an infinite number of worlds because there's an infinite number of atoms. So while his idea of atoms is not the same one that we have, uh, it's pretty interesting to think that somebody back then had the the foresight and the um, knowledge to come up with something like that. And I think that there's an old myth associated with that where Democritus was in some sort of old like hut or shed and uh, it was all dusty and something, there was like a shaft of light that came through the window and he saw the dust dissipate and you could see it, you know, beaming through the, uh, uh, right, the light right. coming through the window and that he came up with the, oh, like that's what everything's made out of, these little particles, so. That's a stroke of genius right there. Yeah. But a lot um, of these ideas come when you least expect them. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Oh, one of his pupils also said that... Uh, in a large field, only one stock should grow, and that in an infinite space, only one world exists. So, I mean, take with that what you will, but... That's pure poetry, baby. <laughs> um, Epicurus, who once... Uh, he wrote to uh, uh, the historian Herodotus. We've mentioned Herodotus a few times on the show, especially when we were doing our Ancient Greece series. Um, he... He's the one that drew some of the maps. He, you know, he's the one that compiled a lot of the data of what we know from ancient Greece and the knowledge and everything. Uh, anyways, he wrote to him that there's an unlimited number of cosmoi, um, and that some are similar to this one and others are dissimilar. So he's saying that uh, there's an unlimited number of Earths or stars or planets, and that um, that some are similar, some are dissimilar. So that's that's a pretty good observation or a guess, I guess, because since you're not allowed, they weren't able to traverse space at that point. Um, it says, let's see here. Um, oh, Epicurus's, uh, student, uh, Metrodorus, um, considered the idea of our world being the only one as unlikely as if a single ear of, of wheat grew on a vast plain. So again, they like to make these um, comparisons. Yeah. A, lot, like a lot of it, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that a lot of them compare it to like uh, agriculture. So, um, let's see here. Um, Roman poet uh, uh, Lucretius or Lucretius wrote. Uh, and therefore, in other religions, there must be other earth, and or there must be other earths inhabited by different tribes of men and breeds of beasts. So, um, that was from Rome. Uh, let's see here. This one's from Turkey, around 200 A.D. Uh, Lucian of Samosata, Samosata, in eastern Turkey. Um, he was a writer, um, an Assyrian writer, and um, in one of his novels called Vera Historia, which means true story, um, he talks about uh, on a journey to the moon, um, something was discovered that there's a multitude of life there and that these beings were weird and bizarre, like uh, I think one of the examples, uh, what was it, like birds with uh, glass wings, 
or uh, um, birds made of glass, stuff like that. Uh, what what was another one? Um, oh, fleas the size of elephants and like all sorts of weird stuff like that. So, my lord, that's getting a little out there. But again, the idea that <laughs> you never know. Be, well, the the idea that there's beings elsewhere that look very different or whatever. So, uh, that's a pretty good observation. So again, I'm just I'm specifically talking about where the origin of these thoughts come from. Um, and I'm not saying all of them came from ancient Greece. Like I mentioned, they could have came from more ancient times. This is just what was recorded that we can look to and point to and say, see, this is where they start talking about this kind of stuff. So, um, what else? Um, the moon's talked about a lot in these, and you know, they do discuss the sun. Um, but yeah, the moon is definitely, um, talked a lot when they they discuss this stuff which is oh, interesting because you would think that the sun would dominate um there was a, a one of the thinkers i think that thought thinkers that think they thought uh say that a bunch of times but um that the sun it was inhabited by um life at some point which we know now i mean that would be that would be crazy if there was some sort of extremophile that could live on a star that's that hot but um yeah that's knowing what we know now it seems kind of unlikely yeah and it's a lot easier to st- but maybe people thought about the moon more because you can actually stare at it uh, yeah. you're aware that the sun's there you can see it peripheral peripherally you know but you can stare I mean, at the moon and talk and you know converse and chit chat about what you're looking at i don't know maybe that's why there's more theories on it yeah the um the, again mentioning the moon i think from the 10th century i think i might have mentioned this a long time ago but there's a japanese myth uh mana gatori or gatari uh which is a tale of a princess uh kaguya and the princess has been sent to earth from the people of the moon during some sort of celestial war um and uh Again, this this story um, it definitely has aliens. I mean, I don't know how you would say otherwise with that. Um, and then you get to so that that's the most ancient accounts that we have. But again, there's weird artwork. Um, some people will say things are like halos or like weird um, atmospheric phenomena that people are capturing in paintings and stuff. I don't know if I by that i'm not necessarily saying it's ufos or aliens or anything like that but it's just some of the stuff's weird um let's see here um so then you get to the scientific revolution um and then you have you know so like plato i mentioned plato and aristotle while they didn't really mention this stuff um they did kind of influence christianity so like Plato and Platonism um, and Gnosticism kind of led, um, or I should say Plato's work led to Gnosticism and like um, uh, Neoplatonism and then Neoplatonism led to Christianity. Um, so there's kind of like this like step, um, the step up thing happening here. Um, uh-huh. And then that's where you get like Christianity that we know and then you sort of like Jesus and all that stuff. Um but uh, you can also point to stuff like uh, um, uh, Nicholas Copernicus, who was a polymath from Poland, um, who wrote on the revolution of celestial spheres. 
Um, I think that that book wasn't published till like 1550 or somewhere around there after he had died. So um, that mapped out the interplanetary systems um, around the Earth and the Sun. Um, it was a heliocentric model um, that explained the Aristotelian model. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, let's see here. Then you get to Giordano Bruno. So I think a lot of people might know who Giordano Bruno is. He was a Dominican friar. Uh, he was a mathematician and cosmological theorist. Um, so he published, uh, I think, between 1584 and 1591, uh, Giordano. Um, he was speculating that distant stars, they also might be suns, like our sun, and that these suns were orbited by planets of their own, similar to our solar system. Uh, and last, you know, um, thing that he mentioned was some of these planets might also be inhabited um, with life, similar to our Earth. So, I mean, um, that's a really, really great observation. Um, and you know what they did to him? They killed uh, him. They burned him at the stake. Oh, my um, Lord. After seven years of uh, prison and torture, so... That's brutal. Yeah, pretty brutal. Um, but so Giordano Bruno is kind of where the idea, I would say that that's one of the biggest con uh, contributions in terms of saying there's infinite numbers of stars and planets and those infinite numbers of stars and planets have in infinite possibilities of like similar to like, a, it's like a pre-Drake equation, you know, kind of a thing. Um I would say maybe that's even one of the main in inspirations for the Drake equation, actually. Um, then you had a German astronomer, uh, Kepler, um, who was born in Germany and lived through uh, Protestant Reformation. Uh, and he was able to kind of do a little bit more and be a little bit more open about stuff based on all that. Um yeah, I, I think that uh, he added a lot to um, the mix here and uh, took stuff uh, um, from Galileo and everything. So uh, I think in like the like Voltaire, even Voltaire, um, I, what, what was uh, I forget what what thing this is in, but he talks about aliens from Saturn. Um, they're like thousands of feet tall kind of a thing um and uh so yeah i mean there, there's people that have been talking about this stuff for a long time um so then you get into like skepticism like later on um and uh in like the 1800s you start to get into some of the more skeptical thought um you know there was the idea of plurality of worlds and things like that um but you know and based on Darwin's um, Darwin's uh, ideas of evolution. I think that kind of changed things. And you know, again, talk about a paradigm shift. That's one of those paradigm shifts. So I've mentioned a few of them. I've mentioned Thales, the first philosopher, natural philosopher. I've mentioned Robert Oppenheimer, the creator of the atomic bomb. Um, now we're talking about um, uh, Darwin and evolution. So these are things that happen throughout human history that propel us uh, into the next realm and show us things and allow us to think about things in a new way that open up more doors and more possibilities. Um, so 
uh, Kant, Immanuel Kant, um, uh, was one uh, big proponent of uh, extraterrestrial life. Um, let's see here. There was Kant's wager, Kant's strong belief in extraterrestrial life. Um, and uh, so he... Um, he basically was a firm believer that there was definitely inhabitants on other worlds, um, or called them heavens. Um, and, uh, let's see here. Um, so when you look at, uh, um, Kant, I mean, we should actually do an episode of Kant cause we've done yeah. on a lot of other philosophers, but um, I've heard so, the name, but I don't know much. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll save a bunch of this and we'll we'll do an episode on Kant. But Kant was a firm believer in, in extraterrestrial life, basically, to break it down. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where the origin of thinking about these topics came from, was um, some of the early natural philosophers and pre-Socratic philosophers. Um, and... Um, I think that that's why I gravitate towards ancient Greece and ancient Rome, because I have a lot of connection to that. So like when we started this podcast, what was that like five, almost five years ago now? Yeah. Um, I was so fascinated with like ancient Egypt and like the very earliest civilizations and how they knew so much and, and all that. So, um, I, I really thought like I had some sort of connection with ancient Egypt and from doing, uh, all this research and looking into things, I now think that I'm actually... You don't. Pro- no, no, I, I, I do. No, I, I love ancient Egypt. It'll always be like... But I think that I, I I find more of a connection with myself from finding myself in my own voice and my own philosophies. I find more of a connection to ancient Greece. And actually, that might be where I come from. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm partly Italian, and where I'm from in Italy was actually originally... Um, uh, uh, you know, Greece had that uh, inhabited before um, Italy was even a thing. So you had, like, my family's from Calabria. Uh, so th- that's where Croton was, which is where, like, Pythagoras had his ascetic cult and uh, the Path- Pythagoreans and everything. So who knows? Maybe um, that's part of my genetics or something. I don't know. I- I've never done one of those 23andMe's or whatever. But um, Oh, it's time. It's time yeah. to prick prick the finger and get crazy um so yeah i just feel more of a connection so like you know how we always talk about like our grandfather papa you know and he had all these um hieroglyphic reliefs made and he felt like he was connected to ancient uh egypt in like some specific ways um i feel that way about ancient greece now so i don't know yeah but interesting i'm still I'm still fighting strong with the Egypt, bro. Oh, Keeping guy, it in the family. This guy really likes Egypt. <laughs> I, I want to go. I, I love it, dude. I would love to go. Um, I actually, although I will say this, I told my wife, I the first place we when we go to leave the country again, I want to go to Italy and Greece. I mean, I love uh, Italian food. Who doesn't? Um, yeah. And uh, I love all the Greek um, sites and temples and architecture and history. And I want to check out Eleusis and all that kind of stuff. So I guess my first trips would be um, 
Yeah, Italy and Greece. But then I would definitely, I would like to check out. I know you can actually take a direct flight into Egypt now. You used to not be able to, or uh, Giza used to not be able to, but you can fly right into right there um, by the Strip. So, Yeah, I, mean, I would love to go to the Greek islands. Oh, dude, the Cyclades or Kairos and all those, uh, Naxos and all those great islands. That would be amazing. Um. But uh, so one thing I did want to read, though, so I wrote a, um, a blog for our website, I don't know, maybe last year, a couple of years ago. Um, oh, somebody, John mentions, you know, the ancient Greece were definitely connected to uh, Egypt, and they were. So like Thales and a lot of other um, uh, Greeks actually went to Egypt to learn um, from the Egyptians. So uh, Thales was known for measuring the height of the Great Pyramid, um, stuff like that. So there's a lot of connection between ancient Greece um, and Egypt. And obviously we've talked about like Atlantis and um, Plato and uh, Solon and Solon going to Sace, Egypt and talking with Sankas, the uh, Egyptian um uh, priests and learning about Atlantis and things like that. So there is a uh-huh. lot of connection there. So, I mean, I, everything's all connected, right? But um, there is a pretty close connection there. But I do want to read this blog that I wrote um, uh, for, again, uh, our website. And this was, I think I, I titled it Epistemology and UFOs. You can go on to our website if you want to read it, but I'm going to read it out loud right now. Uh, people are people are people, etc. We are all just humans. To be clear, this blog post is not meant to be a critique of others, but an honest look and appraisal of the mind and a look at what we know, um, a look at uh, how we know what we know in terms of UFOs and extraterrestrials. A look at the separation of knowing versus belief and provable theory versus pure speculation. Speculation and thought experiments are fun and necessary for future discoveries. But how honest are we being with ourselves and, more importantly, with others? How do we know what we know when it comes to UFOs and possibly extraterrestrial life? I'm about to exercise uh, extreme Cartesian doubt before resolving with some UFO gnosis. Experiences are truly the only way we can know something as an individual. Even when we're kids and we are told not to touch something, that is in our best interest, we still do it anyways, and we learn the hard way through experience. This continues into adulthood, but generally in a more calculated fashion. When it comes to UFOs and extraterrestrials, people in the know are told things. How do the people that are told things know that info? Did they talk or communicate? Did the person that's telling them that talk or communicate with an alien? Uh, Why does seeing a UFO or having a real weird experience always get bogged down uh, with speculation and pre- preconceived notions. Why do we take people at their word and trust other people in terms of secrecy? There is a lot I've heard, supposedly, this person once told me, my sources tell me. Uh, so how do we know that they're not being fooled or fooling themselves with their own cognitive biases? Why do we yearn for secrets of knowing things that might be misrepresented uh, data or even just not true? To know something that paradigm to know something that paradigm shifting through experience cannot be a gray area, no pun intended, in terms of the effect on the self. If somebody has actually sat down with, uh, interrogated or communicated with an extraterrestrial, it would not just be paradigm shifting, but it would be mind melting. Uh, I would think that not many people could handle that psychological load, 
even though many people will claim it's easy or they could do it or they want to do it. Your nerves would be greater than the most nervous you've ever been and your adrenaline would be shooting through the roof. If somebody has or were to experience this, they would never be the same or normal, if normal even exists, again. Uh, I am sure many people who have had UFO sightings or abduction experiences have felt those nerves as well as a wide range of emotions. One thing I will point out to people who don't believe in the consciousness aspect of the, of the phenomenon is that everything we do, experience, and know is observed and filtered through our consciousness. So why do when people take a materialistic uh, stance and say it's all nuts and bolts, yeah, well, there might be a physical craft, but you are still the observer witnessing it through your consciousness. I personally know, have no doubt that there is other life in the universe elsewhere and maybe many, many places. This is mathematically and statistically probable. I also know that there are anomalous crafts and things in the sky that we cannot explain, and there is hard data to prove it. Uh, my father and I saw a large uh, glowing orb in the sky last year. I immediately pulled out uh, my phone that, for the Star Map app, uh, and seconds later, uh, as I was pulling it up, it was gone. Based on the app, it definitely was not a planet or a bright star. Um, it definitely was not an airplane, having seen many in the skies near O'Hare Airport. Uh, this was a very, very weird experience that stuck with us the rest of the night uh, as we kept bringing it up to each other. Now, I did not do uh, an episode on the, our podcast about it, even though I did mention it a couple times casually. I did not want to create a narrative so that I could just let the experience simmer and try not to create a mythology around it, uh, similar to how I approach psychedelic experiences. My point here is that it is important if uh, you are really after truth to not embellish or make statements that would be purely speculative. Uh, the weird thing about our sighting is, is we weren't like, oh, it's aliens or advanced technology. We were both saying that it was just weird. Uh, I personally think when we create narratives or mythologies, we want others to validate and believe them too so it makes the experience more real somehow. I think that this is a mistake in terms of truth. Uh, not sharing the experience or observation, which I encourage, but the speculative elements or biases that usually accompany these stories or experiences. People like Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, base their life's work on trying to understand why we humans mythologize. I do not uh, have the answers. I'm very honest and open about what I do know and what I don't know and what I can know and cannot know. Uh, that being said, even though there is a very real phenomena, I know two things. Number one, with more and more people abandoning organized religions, it creates a vacuum, and there is a current need for a higher power or calling that is creating a narrative or super, uh, of super-advanced beings observing us um, gives us that. Uh, to be clear, this is not a new idea. Uh, the God of the Gaps uh, is now Aliens of the Gaps. Uh, and number two, and this is what I mentioned earlier, this could be some evolutionary mechanism that's always dangling this carrot and taking different forms and symbols to help us evolve our consciousness for some unknown reason. If that is the case, then that proves that we do not know and cannot know what the phenomena is since its interactions prove we are not currently equipped to understand it and we require its help to get to the next level of understanding. Um, let's see here. One thing I rarely hear people talk about is how the whole thing could be all in our heads, similar to the ancient Greeks believed in Zeus and the other Greek gods. Uh, 
not that people don't really see things or experience things, but that those experiences are tied to mythologies we create in our minds that explain unknown physical phenomena or non-physical phenomena. Uh, superstition, uh, superstition evolved into religion, and religion evolved into philosophy. Philosophy uh, evolved into uh, natural philosophy, which then evolved into our current model of science. Um, UFOs and extraterrestrials could be our version of believing in the Greek gods, and then later on in the future, maybe somebody figures out the science behind these experiences and, or the mechanisms behind them or this kind of belief. Maybe for whatever reason, this type of belief is what evolution selects for. Uh, maybe this is why the mystery schools and traditions have been so important throughout our history. Sometimes to get closer to something, you actually have to suspend everything you believe and start again with what you know. I urge people reading this to examine their own confirmation and cognitive biases and think about how we know what we know. I am always open to new data and being wrong, but I do think Jacques Vallée, uh, John Mack, Keel, Young, and all those others resonate with us for a reason. Their work, along with Plato's philosophies, have influenced this blog and me in a way, in the way I think about this topic. Um, all of this came to me during a psilocybin experience that I felt like I was downloading the words from an unknown source. It was a weird. It was weird in the sense that I was not thinking about the topic during most of the experience, and all of a sudden I was compelled to write on the topic all of a sudden. Uh, I have had my own experiences and witnessed my own weird things that I cannot explain, but those are the key words I can't explain. And block. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Maisie. So, yeah, that was quite a mouthful, but um, so so <laughs> reading that job. now, I feel pretty confident still. I'm, I'm Maybe some of the stuff I feel a little bit differently um about now but um yeah i i definitely still resonate with a lot of that so i mean how did you feel after like like how did you feel like any of that rang true with you or maybe did it sound more skeptical or more optimistic like what vibe did you get from it no i mean it's a it's a good representation of how you feel and i think it's I think I can relate to a lot of it. It's nice that you have uh I know your own personal little discovery in there as well. Yeah. Well, again, I think these topics bring us together in more ways than we know. So like that's what I've been trying to do uh online for a while. It's what we try and do with our podcast is bring people together over the most important topics, which are these topics where what are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? Are we alone? What happens when we die? These are the most important things to think about, yet people rarely think about them during their day-to-day lives. Yeah. So, I I mean, our goal is always to bring um, people together, you know, and connect people in ways that uh, there's so much fighting and drama and stuff out there. I just think that we can find more ways to bring people together and that's actually why i uh i mentioned uh tupacabra from twitter earlier too like that guy's trying to bring people together i like that i like that he likes having open dialogues he doesn't mind being wrong like i like that when you're like that i i gravitate towards that i like open dialogues i like um the ideas that i might be wrong and maybe you have some information for me or maybe i can teach you something and maybe you were wrong about something i like that a lot and i don't see enough of that out there 
So yeah, that's the way that we're gonna elevate our consciousness as we, we when we all start uniting. But it's gonna be a long, a long and winding road. <laughs> so, um, what it comes down to is, is there life out there? Yeah, probably. Um, there's been some big breakthroughs and leads recently. I know that there was that big announcement last year about the phosphines on uh, Venus and that there could be some sort of organic life in the atmosphere of Venus. That's pretty fascinating. I haven't seen any follow-up on that. Um, and what else? Um, I mean, we just sent out that, uh, that, uh, Webb telescope. Um, I think yeah. it's called James Webb. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the more sophisticated our camera equipment gets, the more megapixels we can melt into these cameras, the, the more you can zoom in. So we're just going to keep being able to see further and further away. But is, is there life out there? What, what are those things called, the tardigrades? Yeah, somebody about that. saw it. I don't know. I think it might have been Melissa mentioned that in the chat a, a few minutes ago. Yeah, you know, what's funny is my girlfriend sent me this little uh, emoji with this tardigrade, like, <laughs> dancing. And I'm like, where do I go? You like these tardigrades, don't you? She goes, I don't even know what this thing is. I go, it's a tardigrade. It's these little creatures that, that survive the cl- the cataclysms of the Earth. Right. Yeah, so um, extremophiles are really interesting. We, we discussed that a little bit on the last episode, too. But so, like, one of the ideas about abiogenesis which is the idea that um life derived on this planet is that they think you know those underwater volcanoes uh uh-huh. that that's where some of that was happening um uh in those like uh extreme conditions underwater i don't know if i put a, a lot of stock into that but i i don't rule it out either i mean Somebody mentioned, send me the message. Remember that shrimp I was talking about that can shoot like lava out of its claw? It's called a pistol shrimp. Shout out to whoever commented uh, on that. I forgot who it was, but yeah, it's called yeah, a pistol no, shrimp. Yeah, because I was, I was watching something where they were like, I can't, I need to get the more information, but they were talking about how uh, there's more living organisms that are living in these extreme conditions that we can't study, but there's like more, there's like 10 times more in these lavas and in, in super cold atmospheres. Yeah. I mentioned that, uh, the ones living in the pool of acid from that, what's that planet earth or what's that one with Darren Aronofsky? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Um, But I think a lot of them are like single cell type things. And, uh, there's just way more like the, the, the amount of life living life that we're aware of is like one, I don't know. I don't want to quote numbers, but it's, a very small percentage of actually the living stuff that's out there. We think of life as like animals and insects and things of that nature, but there's a lot of these single celled organisms living in these very, very extreme climates. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely. Um, Tardigrade. Yeah. But so extremophiles are interesting. So it's like if things can live in the most inhospitable conditions on our planet, um, who knows what life could do on other planets the where it's evolved of space yeah. well, or that's where it's evolved to live in these insane conditions. You know, um, I've seen things where they talk about like this planet and this star system, it like rains diamonds or, you know, things like that. Like that's stuff like that's crazy. Um, but, yeah. uh, 
So, I mean, I, and then what do we know about life, though? Like, we only know what we know about life, which is us or organic life. You know, we've talked about panpsychism and the idea that everything in the universe might have some level of sentience, even subatomic particles, you know? So, yeah. Well, that's the, what do we know? We, we know less than we than we know. We know. Right. Um, yeah, I know what I don't know. um but so i don't know so you always bring up the earth bias thing but i when i think about these things yeah um i always wonder about that too like what if what if whatever's out there can you know um can manipulate or become a chameleon with matter stuff like that like things like that like i had some weird i got uh super blazed up the other night and I was thinking weird things. Um, and I was thinking like, so like in terms of time, you know, time is one of the weirder aspects of this whole thing. Um, but, um, what if, so like we've mentioned time dilation on the podcast before, check out Dr. Michael Masters, uh, work, um, on this subject if you haven't already, but, um, when it comes to extraterrestrial life and time travel and things like that. But, um, so the more gravity there is, the more that time slows down. So our perception of time is based on the amount of gravity that we have on this planet. So, um, if aliens could evolve super, super quick on some planet that has not a lot of gravity, um, does that mean like think about how they could go through whole lifetime, you know, like there could be super evolution happening out there because there's a quicker timeline of their existence. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, um, uh, maybe on our planet, uh, you know, something that would take a million years would only take a hundred years on another planet. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was thinking about that. And then also, um, I had this weird thought about time. Let me think, see if I can pull that little note up on my notepad. <laughs> um, yeah, and like uh, the closer things get to the black holes, it goes slower, right? Uh, well, so black holes are weird. So, and that's that's another. I've been listening to a lot of people. Oh, this is a theory too. Regard, uh, it it might be a very sound theory, but. I don't think what? people are flying close to black holes and testing these theories. Oh no! Out. Well, you can't because there's the event right. horizon. Once you get past the event horizon, everything starts getting shredded. And yeah, we all saw Sam Neil in that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was thinking about time, and I was like, "What if time is some sort of living entity or being um, that needs your time to feed on to stay alive?" Whoa, like what bro! If, don't, don't don't. This is this is a million dollar uh, script right here. Do you want to talk about this on the airwaves? Like, what if we? What if we are needed for something else to live? Like how things, you know, we eat things and we need things to live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just something to think about. That's like kind of like that Stephen King thing, the Langoliers, those creatures that eat time. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The movies absolutely out. poop, but the. <laughs> Like a lot of the stuff that he does, they they get they they get turned into these made-for-TV movies, and they just don't do them justice. But the concepts are beautiful. The guy's got a lot of uh, imagination. Yeah, I, there's just so many weird. I like to think about weird things. Like we, you we know, have... we we know. 
Do you ever have thoughts, though, where you're like, that's original. I've never heard somebody think about that. I've had those and then heard other people say similar things after. But um, yeah, yeah, I've had a lot of that. I've had a lot of that concept. But the well, it's funny, too, because I've had a lot of jokes that we've done for we do a comedy CD for, you know, our little vacate our canoe trips. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'll see my some my some of my jokes on uh I remember Tosh.0, oh, he, he, there was two in particular. I can't remember what they were, but at, at first I was mad, but then at the same time I'm like, oh, well, it's, I'm kind of honored because we were kind of thinking on that same plane. And what is a thought? Like, who? no one owns it. So if you're thinking in the form of jokes and you're going down that that pattern of thought, it, 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 I could see other people come into that conclusion, especially if you're – because his humor is kind of similar to mine. So I, I can see how that, that would work. So, but that's actually an interesting point. So when you look at, um, you know, that's one of the explanations of why there's pyramids on a bunch of different continents of civilizations that had no contact with each other is that, oh, this was just the evolution of thought. But there's a lot of people that think that obviously consciousness is not connected to your brain or um, housed in your brain or your um just your body that there might we're almost like some sort of receiver like your brain's more of a receiver for information um and if that's the case think about it you could just multiple people could tap into whatever that is or tap into that frequency or that that way of thinking as you mentioned you know how many times have you you're you're a musician too you're a guitar player how many times have you played a lick and you thought it was original and then you like heard it later on or you're like oh that sounds like this actually and i didn't even notice that things like that. yeah that's very true and also like when you when when you tap in to write a song um if you can channel yourself or get yourself into the that's why i think a lot of musicians take drugs and stuff because it's it allows them to kind of get into that frequency whatever whatever it may be you obviously don't need the drugs but just like the other ways a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this channel it's like a it's like a a a quicker way to get there you know what i mean instead of Mm -hmm. sitting down and meditating and things like that but yeah i think that uh i think it's out there and i think um i was watching seinfeld the other day and um it was the muffin top episode. I don't know if people are familiar with this, but Elaine has this idea to make these muffin. T- she rips the tops off the muffins. And then one of her old bosses opens up a store, just muffin tops. And she goes in there and she's like, you stole my idea. And he goes, these ideas are all around us. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. it, it, it's, you know, it's funny is it's true that these ideas are all around us. Obviously he blatantly stole that from her, but it's like, who's to say that, that's why I'm very intrigued with the idea and I'm writing a, a short film. And I've been really writing it for a while now and I'm waiting for the right circumstance to go into production. But what is an idea? Is that alive? Like that's, that's the interesting thing is people, scientists will sit down and tell you that your ideas are based on a lot of different things. Like and everything you've ever learned in your life will lead your mind to go to a conclusion which at the end of the conclusion determinism or there's some sort of causal line right seems to be some idea or whatever but stuff pops into your head all day you know where is it coming from like it does seem kind of alive but would you agree though so i've mentioned this many humans are very ai-ish i mean we we have we're very different because we're 
we're biological and there's billions of years of evolution there. But when you look at, like, look at online, it's people like regurgitating, rehashing, retweeting, reposting. It's all people like taking something they heard and then repeating it. Same thing with like people that watch movies and they'll say like a line, you know, like there's things like that happening all day long, every day. I've really been trying to cultivate, like, how can I become the most original thinker, the most original musician, the most original. I'm always thinking, how can I be more creative? How can I be, you know, how can I break this causal line that what you just talked about, like this deterministic line of causality that's led me to this point? How can I break that and deviate and create a new path or um, some sort of offshoots or something like that? Because I think that that's what leads to major breakthroughs, not just personal growth, but like revolutionary ideas. Um, so how can I be the most original? And I think that's why people gravitate towards UFOs and aliens because it helps them think about things in a very different way. And even though a lot of people speculate, some of those speculations might actually lead them to a path of uh, knowledge at some point, or they might look into something and, and actually learn something, even though the initial thing that caught their attention wasn't, you know, correct or true or whatever, you know? So, um, but how, how can we be the most original beings possible? So like we've mentioned, or I've mentioned this before. So, um, Laplace, who is a mathematician and philosopher, a French mathematician philosopher, uh, had this, you know, analogy of like a billiards shot or, you know, a break. So a billiards break. So picture the universe as one big billiards game. So on the break, let's say you, you had all of the, the physics, you, the, you know, the trigonometry, the calculus, you knew where every ball was going to land because you had all of the, the observational data and mathematics and physics and everything. You could determine where all the balls are going to land. And if that's the case, um, you would be God. So like the idea of God is almost like someone, people say, a god or god or gods or whatever goddesses are all-knowing ever-present kind of a thing that would make sense from that point of view which would be if you created the universe you would have all you would know what was going to happen before it happened based on observation or having those tools we do not have those tools so from a deterministic standpoint i think i think what we're dealing with and this is just my philosophy and opinion and i could be wrong i'm open to being wrong if somebody has a better argument uh but that so like subjectively personal experience wise we do have uh free will so like we exhibit free will which is the way we perceive it however externally or objectively everything is already probably predetermined or deterministic if that makes sense. So free will is almost like an illusion or it's something that we think that we have. But in reality, this has already been determined or pre set up, whatever, however you want to talk about it. But so that's why the idea of like a simulation or a God or whatever, they would have, they would know where all the billiard balls are going to land because they have all of those tools. Uh huh. So, and, and, we do that with other things. That's what science basically is, is us figuring things out through observation and then putting those pieces together and determining, oh, is this going to work? Is this experiment going to work? Can I recreate it? Can I, you know, use this kind of a thing? So, um, yeah, 
I don't know. That's just the way I think about it. But again, I could be wrong. Somebody's got a better argument. I'm willing to, to hear it. Um, but that's a whole different debate too. That's not, I mean, we could do a whole series on determinism versus free will or determinism versus non-determinism. Totally. Shout out to Ty. Ty just popped in. Thanks for the, uh, the uh, super sticker, Ty, and congratulations Vibes, baby. Again. I feel the groove. Yeah. Uh, and congratulations on the T-shirt. Maurice will be getting that out to you. Um, but, yeah, I, so I think that, um, I don't know, we live in a bizarre universe, and just being alive is very weird. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So if anybody's interested, too, like you can click on our link tree link down below, but we have a merch store, and one of the shirts I designed is Anubis um, holding uh, our logo, and it, the top says, we are living, breathing magic. So that's something that I've regurgitated many times since we've been doing the podcast, and it's true. So whether you believe there's anything more to this life or not, we are pretty much living, breathing magic. Um, so I don't know how to say it other than that. I mean, that's a very true statement. The fact that we're here having these conversations is the most bizarre thing ever. So It's the most bizarre thing ever, yet it's the most natural thing ever. Hmm. Depends on what kind of day you're having. Mm. There are days where I'm like, <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, hear I don't you. know about you, but no, I try and just I, the the bottom line is we are here, so let's 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 do it, baby. Let's have some fun and uh, let's try and be good and try and make other people feel comfortable. And uh, if we could just break it down to that simple level, I think we would all be able to elevate our our vibrations. Ooh, Mr. Vibrations. Yeah. I got to create that t-shirt. I got to, I got, now I have, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a visual now of what I want to do with this thing. So look for that. I'd sing the Beach Boys songs, but we might get, we might get banned. You'll, you'll get, (laughs) the algorithm will get you. Yeah. Um, so my pitch, (laughs) I just think back to, I think back to that video you did with Marchetti where he's singing that song and it, you guys got clipped for that because he was singing the song. Oh, my right? Lord, yeah. <laughs> I want to sing it so yeah, bad. It's yeah, hilarious. Because I'll kick you yeah. off this. Yeah. No, he had I, he had it on in the background, but we were we were going off on it. Yeah, 11-11. You've been flagged. You've been fired. 11-11, Melissa. Yep, yeah, it's where, my, where Michael's at, too. Yeah. It's 11-11. Central time called, zone. Me and my girlfriend, we call that wish time. She'll send me whenever her clock is linked up like that. We do a little wish. Oh, yeah. Wish time. Very cute, Maurice. No, I think, Melissa, if you see that often, I feel like that's the universe nudging you, telling you that you're on the right path and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Sometimes when I ride my bike, man, I get I get real close to bumpers and I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking if I would have left a, a millisecond earlier or later, I would have been clipped by a car. So I, I, and that's like, I, I equate that to being right on the same page, just letting the universe flow. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me being wacky, but I, I, I think that when you're on that, that right frequency and you, and you're letting the, the universe do its things, good things will come to you. It's like not fighting something. It's hard mm. sometimes, and if people are aware of my uh, my journey over the last couple of years, my spiritual awakening and things like when I was going through the thick of it, the the the, the hard p- parts, I was 
fight in the universe and I was trying to write something that I was trying to write a wrong I thought in my mind but it really wasn't wrong it was, it was right. So right I just didn't believe it you know I, I was having a hard time seeing the bigger picture and everybody has I was talking to a buddy the other day and it's just like you gotta let things go man if it's not working out for you and you've been trying all this time and it's still not working out for you I'm talking about a relationship um, it sucks but Again, I always bring up the the saying, things don't happen to you, things happen for you. And if you start looking at the world like that, um, your whole concepts will, will change because the poor me and why is this happening to me? And I was telling my cousin about it. Um, he was a drinker and uh, he got into some trouble. And when he was going through the uh, the thick of things, the, the, the horrors, the... the the part, the parts that aren't so fun. He was really in that why me state, and I was like, dude, this is probably the best thing that could ever happen to you. You can't see it, but I can. And you know, a couple a, a year later, and he's like, wow, this is one of the best things that ever happened to me. So just kind of be aware of the negative things that happen in your life. They 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 suck. I'm not you know I'm not making them sound better than they are. I, everybody's got pains and and woes and issues and troubles. But when you can separate yourself and look back and learn from it, that's what it's all about. So to, to the eleven eleven thing, actually, when I was going through my spiritual awakening, like five years ago, um, I noticed when I was thinking about weird things, sometimes it would compel me to look at the clock. It'd be eleven eleven, And then I would get those chills, those, you know, I usually associate it more with like jamming or music uh you know what i'm talking about the goosebumps or chills or whatever um but i would get that every time i would have certain thoughts while looking at the clock and seeing 11 11 so um yeah i mean uh synchronicities and things like that i think that there's obviously something to all that too i don't think that that's all coincidence i don't really when it comes to certain things i don't really believe in coincidences i think there are actual coincidences obviously but when it comes to um, the mind and metaphysics and metaphysical things, I don't believe that's the case because there's certain things that are just so bizarre that there's no way that they could be connected and, and you're they're being forced to confront that in that moment for whatever reason. So Yeah, totally. Um but I, I really um I really like this this topic in terms of um the philosophical side of looking at these metaphysical things. So like, obviously tonight we've, we're talking about full, you know, the philosophy of UFOs and aliens and things like that. Uh, but again, I don't think enough people come from that approach whenever I learn something new. Um, so like for whatever reason, I'm always interested in the origins of things or like how did things come about? How did things, um, evolve from something or where did an idea or, um, an invention or whatever come from. So I'm always fascinated with that kind of stuff. So I've kind of cultivated this thing now where I, uh, I will look for those things for when I, when I learn something new, I will immediately look at the origin of, of whatever that is. Where did this come from? Where did this idea come from? Cause it gives me a better, it saves me time. Number one, I'll, I'll mention that because there are things that maybe I thought were worth looking into, but then I see who came up with the idea or what was the origin story. And some of the shit's just way out there, like not even worth my time. So there's that. But, um, 
but I've kind of cultivated this way of thinking now where I will immediately look into the origin of something and see where it came from and see if it's worth delving into more of the details that come later on. So um, Mm -hmm. I think that's an inch. I don't know if anybody's um, the same way, but if you are, uh, I think that it's a really good way to approach a lot of these topics because you can cut out a lot of the BS and start from a place of knowledge and at least understanding whoever came up with the idea, hypothesis, theory, or whatever, get in their mind a little bit and see where where they were coming from so you can go from there. Because it is, um, we do rely heavily on word of mouth, and language is weird too because language doesn't always encapsulate the full idea or it doesn't fully explain things. Uh, there's also language barriers, there's misinterpretations. Um, I mean, linguistics is huge. I mean, we've talked about language. We did that episode where we were talking, I I made that clip too, where I was talking about the Rosetta stone, um, and and how that whole thing came about and how that kind of goes through the progression and how how important language is in terms of consciousness and evolution of consciousness and how we describe and relate to things and um yeah i mean i i've um how many times have we discussed this too over the last few years but the idea that so like you look at um homer's the odyssey um he describes the water as wine red well uh the mediterranean sea is very blue and green um Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of speculation that some ancient civilizations and ancient people might not have even known certain colors or knew that there was certain colors. Like for instance, I think the Egyptians knew there was blue because they have a lot of blue in their artwork and things like that. But some civilizations might not have even had the word for blue, like ancient Greece. Maybe they early, uh, let's say 500 BC, maybe or the Mycenaeans or whatever. Um, uh, they might not have had the word for blue. So a, a variation of red or purple or something like that might have been what they um, explained the sea as, even though the sea was obviously crystal blue and green. So, hmm. um, so yeah, again, language is, is very instrumental in the way that we interpret things and um, the way we picture things in our mind and the way we perceive the world around us. Um, so... Yeah, just another little added tidbit. Uh, <laughs> you're so weird. Yeah, wine dark sea. There you go, Melissa. Um, let's see here. Um, when you um, when you look at this topic now, Morris, because we've discussed discussed this whole thing extensively. Um. Are you more interested in whether there's aliens out there or beings or whatever? Are you less interested? Do you feel like you have a better grasp on things, a, a, a lesser grasp on things? Like, where do you stand now versus like coming into the podcast? Because actually, you were pretty skeptical, I believe, in the first handful of episodes of anything UFO or alien. Oh, I'm related. still skeptical. Uh, oh, no, I know you are, but you're Mr. Vibrations now, so it's sort of weird mix happening there where you're, I need a theremin. I mean I'm I've always been not skeptical with the spirituality. I think that's a no, I know. separate thing altogether, but I uh I don't know. I don't really go out looking for this kind of stuff 
because we talk about it on the show so often and we have guests and you're you do a great job of finding people that have a lot of different views and good points and stuff like that so i almost like look to our conversations with people like that's that's how i learn so i'm not i'm not it's almost like how my how my one friend he teaches music all day so he doesn't really listen to music like he's either writing music or listening or he's either writing music or playing music or or giving people lessons so he doesn't really listen to music i kind of look at the alien thing as that it's like we're always constantly talking about it and we're bringing on super good people avi Loeb is one that really stands out someone that's thinking outside the box and kind of uh he's just putting it out there you know and uh i don't go searching for for things if 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 we're doing a podcast we've done some on some of the documentaries and things like that i'll watch those but uh yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Teacher, Fireball, dude, that Werner Herzog Fireball is probably one of my top ten documentaries of all time. Yeah, he's a really good filmmaker. I took his master class. He's 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 awesome. He's very blunt, and uh, he's he he seems like a a very jagged dude. But if you get to know him, he's a big teddy bear kind of guy. But uh, yeah, he he's made some really good documentaries, and that's that particular one really stands out. But uh, yeah, I uh. I don't know. I don't. Ha- I don't really have too much of my own thought when in, when we're not doing the podcast. I don't really like think about aliens all that much. How about you? Yeah, dude, I mean, I, whatever we talk about when I'm not taking care of my son or doing something for work or whatever. I mean, that stuff dominates my thoughts when I'm not actually doing something. But I think that that might also be um, what I've evolved my OCD into too. So instead of my OCD being like negative or whatever, I kind of channel it into that. So it's like a positive thing. So I'm positively thinking about or having productive thoughts when I'm not, uh, instead of like worrying or whatever, or yeah, having absolutely. anxiety, yeah. um, I channel, I try and channel that into like things for the podcast or researching these things or, or reading more things or gathering more information or data um, mm-hmm. I, I like to like, as you know, I mean, when we do these podcasts, I cross reference things. So if there's a piece of information, whether it be, you know, something about like the story of Thales or whatever, I'll cross reference it with like a bunch of different things. So it's not like I'm just pulling from one source or looking at one thing. I'm looking at a bunch of different things because I want to develop this, this bigger picture of whatever we're talking about or looking at. So it's not like, Again, it's just like one-sided or one-dimensional or one person's beliefs or one person's um, work or whatever. So, um, but yeah, this stuff definitely dominates my thinking. Um, So like, you know how, I mean, so I guess what I'm saying is like most people like have that internal dialogue, right? So you'll Mm -hmm. be at home and you'll have have thoughts like, oh, I got to do this or I got to do that. or And I have that too. But when I'm just sitting there, instead of like watching TV or zoning out or something i'll just sit there and close my eyes and think about this kind of stuff or you know i'll take a hit of the vape pen or whatever and uh you know maybe do a little uh edible or something like that no not i I haven't done that in a while and we're gonna discuss that so like once we get to the mysteries metaphysics where we're gonna be discussing like psychedelics and stuff i mean i'm kind of on hiatus from all that right now not for any specific reason i just have so much going on in my life i don't need to do it number one uh i know what it's like and i can draw from my personal experiences the the tons of them um and number two 
um, meditation and cannabis and all that, that's fine for right now anyway. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, so to answer your question, yeah, that, that, that stuff dominates my thoughts when I have time to think about it. Yeah. Um, but you don't, so you don't ever think of like it. You've never like been riding your bike being like aliens, you know? No. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is I was actually thinking about, uh, my sister's account t- today. I don't know what, what the hell I was thinking about, but yeah, I was thinking about, uh, my sister has a story. Maybe we can get her on here and do a short episode with her one time. But uh, I was just thinking about what the hell did they see? Was it was it an alien? Because, like, I guess kids with, like, something happened where there was a bunch of writings and uh, with chalk on the street saying they're coming or some weird shit that happened. And, uh, and then her mom, her... Uh, her mother-in-law actually worked for the police station at the time and she was telling the story and her mother-in-law was like, Oh, I remember because like, I don't know. She knew there was some kind of dance on that date. She knew the exact date of it. And it, she was like out with her friends. It was, she was in high school and her, and my, uh, her mother-in-law was like, Oh, we had a bunch of calls at, at the gross point police station saying they saw something in the sky. So like it added this, extra layer of credibility to it but i don't know I, I was in the shower and thinking about that today so yeah you know sometimes things pop into my mind maybe the aliens were contacting me well uh our good buddy uh chris wolford who's you know going to be a main part of our documentary uh he's big into all of the great lakes sightings and weird spots in the great lakes where there's tons of sightings and stuff like that so it doesn't surprise me at all i mean i know lake st Clair is smaller it's not one of the great lakes but um, well, it's, it's connected in, to Huron. No, I know. And that's what I was going to say. It's connected to Lake Huron. So, I mean, all that stuff. There is some hot spots, I know, on Lake Huron. So, um, when you look at um, this topic, um, specifically kind of what you're talking about, I mean, we come from an area in Michigan where there's a little, you know, weird stuff associated with it. And uh, weird stuff happens all over the world. But um, specifically, I know that there are a bunch of Great Lakes sightings and weird things that have happened and stuff like that. I know even Beaver Island. Uh, it's had a lot of weird stuff happen. Do they still do that Beaver Island festival? I was going to say, and not just at the festival. <laughs> do they, so I don't do, know. I don't know if they do it anymore. Yeah. No, but and Beaver Island supposedly has some sort of stone circle um, on it. I know, I think it was Northern Michigan University, or one of the universities was actually going there regularly as part of like a archaeological um, study or class where they were trying to figure out what was going on. I know there's a lot of weird stuff too of them of people finding Michigan copper uh, in other parts of the world because Michigan copper is like has like a certain purity and you can tell like where certain metals come from you know uh, mm-hmm. geologically so um yeah I mean the, the, this topic definitely so like I guess but my point was I guess when I think about these things it's not always aliens though so to back to your point about you're asking me do I think about this stuff. Yes, but it's not just aliens. It's like all metaphysical things are all mysteries. Like that's why when we do the podcast, um, Maurice has definitely, you know, given us some ideas for some of the titles and some of the the episodes and everything like that. But I, I've definitely, this is a lot of the episodes we do is just what's going on in my brain at the time or something I've been thinking about or something we've been talking about or something I've been throwing around. Um, mm-hmm. so this podcast is kind of like, um, 
a look at the way I think about things and actually the way Maurice and I grew up because we're cousins and the way we've interacted with each other and the weird stuff that we've talked about while, you know, in our younger years, whether it just be messing around or getting high or getting weird or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, it's a wild ride. Life is a wild ride and we've had a wild ride and, uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing this journey. Uh, you know, the the path of knowledge or looking into these things is not a, um, it's not always a glamorous or like, you know how you had your spiritual awakening and I had my spiritual awakening. There's like a romance period to that where it's like everything means something or you're making sort of all sorts of connections or all this great stuff's happening or th- and things like that. You're excited about life. You're excited about the things you're thinking about. Um but that fades, and when that fades, you have to, if you're really passionate about it, you really have to start putting in the work because it's not going to happen. That 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 romance period of, of spiritual awakening is definitely like an illusion. Um, it's it's It might get you into the, the mysteries, but it's not going to keep you in the mysteries. You have to keep yourself in the mysteries, and you have to, to, um, you have to go through the, you know, all the data and, and cross-reference things on top of, you know, looking at... Um, all the different angles. So I don't know. I, I, again, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes with the whole UA, UFO UAP thing, especially cause now the government's, um, gotten pretty involved in it and they're, um, they're doing all these hearings. Um, and they're also uh, entertaining it in a way that's not like, um, or they're at least publicly entertaining it and that not in a way that's like patronizing or it's no longer taboo. You see, tons of people talking about this like every day like I used to you know going into my old office or whatever people talk about with other people or that would you would never talk about it with or even my dad who you know I would say majority of my life never mentioned anything about that kind of something like five years ago he's like oh did you see uh this documentary or did you you know uh, there's this weird UFO sighting and now uh, all these people that would have never talked about the subject are talking about it so yeah yeah for sure um, so again, we'll see where all this goes. Hopefully we, we bring in some sort of new, new line of thinking, or it, it takes us to a new, um, some sort of new plane of thinking. That's at least my hopes. And, um, you know, there's that Galileo project with Avi Loeb and all those other scientists. If that, even if that leads to some sort of, um, uh, discovery of physical phenomena, that's interesting to me. I know some people might not like that. You know, they're only in it for the UFOs or the aliens or whatever, but even discovering something, you know, we know about ball lightning, but what if there's something weirder than ball lightning? And what if that thing, you know, we can go back to Dr. Gregory Little's research. What if that plasma or that plasmoid has some sort of some level of consciousness or sentience, you know, what does that mean? That's crazy. You know? So totally. Yeah. Um, there's so many ways to think about this topic. There's so many, um, different um, offshoots and branches and stuff. But again, I'll go back to the beginning. Just, you know, when you look at stuff, anything metaphysical that can't be quantified by current observation or science, um, I would say always entertain, always look at epistemology, the theory of knowledge. How do we know what we know when it comes to this? Then you look at ontology. How does this relate to being? How is this connected to our being? Uh, teleology, um, what's the purpose? 
What does does it have a purpose? What's the purpose? And some people, you know, you could argue, is there even a real thing called purpose? Because words are just things that we've assigned meaning to that, that describe something. But um, I think purpose is real. And even if you, let, let's just say you didn't believe in anything metaphysical, um, I could still make an argument for purpose from the standpoint of life. Look at life. Life, um, even cellular life, um, evolves. It, it's always evolving. It's always trying to stay alive. What would the point be of mm-hmm. trying to stay alive if there was no purpose? Explain that to me. I can't because I'm right there on that page with you, my friend. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's just, again, there's different ways to think about these things. I like having these open dialogues and discussions. Uh, if anybody's interested, uh, you can join our Twitter spaces. I've been hosting them once a week. Uh, it just depends on the day, but I think lately I've been trying to do them maybe like a Wednesday or a Thursday, maybe even a Friday depends, but Today we did one. I met a lot of interesting, cool thinkers um, and just a lot of nice people that were open and honest about their own experiences and stuff like that. So if you're interested, awesome. follow me on Twitter or follow us on Twitter. Maurice doesn't really go on Twitter, but you can find me. It's at Mike Escape. And again, check out uh, Tupacabra. Um, awesome, awesome dude that's you know doing a lot of cool spaces as well. Um, when I see somebody doing something awesome, I'm going to, I'm going to plug them. I'm going to put them out there because I think that, uh, I like the vibe of, of what, you know, some people, and I like what they have to offer. And I think that more people should be more vocal about propping certain people up that have something interesting to say or have like a good, um, uh, philosophy or outlook, you know, bringing people together over a topic. How can that be a bad thing? So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but let's wrap it up here and, uh, also leave us a comment. We've, we've gone from doing, you know, two or three, um, episodes a week in the past. And obviously since I've had my, we've had my son, it's been a little bit tougher to do that many, but, um, I'm in the process of moving and maybe when I move, I'll have more, uh, I'll have my own private area to do this. So maybe we'll do more, but, uh, do you like when we do longer episodes once a week? Or, you know, something like that? Or would you rather maybe an hour, hour and a half episode, a couple or a few times a week? I don't know. Um, Something to think about. Um, But, uh, yeah. So, I'm just, uh, I'm just really, um, I'm just really happy at uh, the way that this podcast has gone. I mean, we've definitely stuck with it here going on five years, so... Yeah, little by little we uh we grow. So, yeah. And if you want again, if you want to support the show, there's different ways to support the show. You don't always have to join our Patreon or donate money or whatever like that. A good way to support the show is if you want to leave us a nice review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, whatever podcast platform you you listen to. Um and then or leave us a nice message or comment on YouTube. Um yeah, I mean, there's different ways to, to support what we're doing. but Or join our Twitter spaces or check out Maurice's band. I have the link all the way down at the bottom for his band, Dogo, D-O-G, uh, D-O-G-O-E. D-O-E-G-O-E. Oh, yeah, D-O-E-G-O-E, sorry. I always get that mixed up. Dogo. Um, so go check out uh, Maurice's band, 
And again, we're going to try and do something in the future too with uh, maybe do it like a live jam on here, maybe do it for our Patreon members or something like that. I don't know. We have to figure that out still, but uh, I think that would be uh, pretty sweet. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it and we love everybody and uh, everybody's super cool and we get a lot of nice comments and emails and everything. Um, I just, uh, I just, yeah. I appreciate the ride and I appreciate everybody that participates and um, never would I have thought that we'd have had over a million people at this point listen or watch our podcast. Um, I never would have thought that, uh, you know, I mean, Morris and I are both musicians, so I think only like hundreds of people have like seen me play live or listened to our previous CDs and things like that. So the fact that a million people have heard us talk is insane to me. So Uh, Again, I just, uh, we love everybody and and we want to thank everybody too. Um, But yeah, so if you're interested, again, in supporting the show, we have merch, we have Patreon, we have, you can leave comments and all sorts of stuff. So check out the links in our link tree down below. Everything's there. And uh, again, shout out to Ty. Thanks. Another super chat. We really appreciate it. And we're going to get that t-shirt out to you. And um, uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to add, Maurice? No, we appreciate everybody. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next next time. <laughs> All right. Well, we love everybody. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.